Giggly Gorilla Studios coming at you live from the trees of Georgetown. I'm Brayden, and with me as per usual when we get around to doing this thing, it's Everest. And we're back, baby. Oh, man. What's up, bro? It's been a long time. It's been a while. It has. And uh, the, the last thing we talked about was School of Rock. And, well, we planned on coming back to talk about something spooky. We We planned on doing that far sooner than this, but... Uh, technically, we're staying true to our word because The Exorcist turns 50 later this month. Pretty insane. Let's go, dude. I'm excited to talk about some Exorcist. Probably get into a bunch of other stuff, uh, football, wherever the conversation takes us. But yeah, The Exorcist is 50. Uh, this is a movie that I watched for the first time in 2020, I think. 2020 or 2021. And I loved it. Um, I had a great experience with it. I've been telling Brayden to watch it for, like, ever since then. And uh, Buddy finally got around to it earlier this year. So, excited to talk about it. How you doing, man? Yeah, I finally watched this movie a couple months ago. I'm doing all right, dude. The The Patriots won Thursday, which uh, was really they surprising did. to me. It's kind of crazy. That was crazy. You know, yeah. I'm wearing the shirt right now. I didn't even notice. Let's go. <laughs> I'm wearing a Detroit Lions shirt, so we both uh, got heck yeah. representing the NFL team. Let's go. One's definitely making the playoffs. Yeah, one is. Uh, hopefully one will get a good draft pick and try to turn the franchise around. Yeah, that's the... Uh, like, I was so upset that they were going to win. Well, I figured they were going to win because they were up 21-3. I'm like, no, I want you guys to get a good fucking draft pick. Come on now. But, I mean, they're still mm-hmm. second overall. But if Carolina wins another game, I might be a little upset. <laughs> I I don't know if Carolina I don't, can win another I don't game. think they will. I don't think they should anyway. But yeah, yeah. The, the Exorcist. So yeah, yeah this is uh, this movie's obviously iconic. It took me forever to get around to watching it. But yeah, I thought it was I just thought it was gonna be really gross. And some of it is. It's not that bad. I don't know, I was being kind of a little bitch about it. Yeah, I watched Raw, was, so I, like... I can watch anything after that. So thank you, Everest. <laughs> yeah, I I've I've been prepping him, you know. It's so weird how you're like the horror guy between us like you've loved horror for longer than i have and have seen more horror stuff than i have but i'm always the one making you watch just like the grossest horror stuff like what does that say about me? don't know i don't I, like gross stuff I, I just i have a weak stomach that's all i can say yeah there's some stuff in this movie that's pretty stomach churning i would say but overall there's some not, stuff that's stomach churning and then there's just stuff that is like it makes your skin crawl Ugh, it's a, yeah, yeah. So, some points of this movie I, are so uncomfortable. They are uncomfortable, but I think it it it's a pretty good balance, and it works for the atmosphere. Like, there's never a point where I feel like this movie is being gross just for the sake of being gross. It's always like to add to the story that it's telling. So in that way, I think it works. Like, there's some horror movies where they're just like throwing blood and guts and gore at you because they don't really have anything else to add and i don't think that's the case with the exorcist no for sure i think all the grotesque things in the movie and just all the uncomfortable moments throughout are there for a reason and it's to warrant emotion slash reaction out of the audience and to further the plot and what regan is going through and it works really freaking well just the tension the atmosphere all throughout this movie Phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I guess also before we get into the actual like plot, so I'm taking a, a class called Making Monsters at college, and we actually read this book called The Case Against Satan. Well, I'm going to be honest. I didn't read all of it, but we were supposed to read uh, this book called The Case Against Satan, and uh, that book is like famous for being what the Exorcist book that the movie's based on takes a lot of its inspiration from like the case against satan is very similar but the common consensus is that the exorcist is just like just did everything way better but also in the case against satan there's like there's a priest who's um questioning his faith and uh, like there's a battle between uh is this demonic or is it natural and there's a there's an exorcism but it's like it's way less personal i think and also, it's just not, it wasn't as, like, The Exorcist is, is awesome. And so that's kind of what people said is The Exorcist just did 
that book, but way better. And then obviously the movie adaptation turned out pretty good. Yeah. And obviously when we're talking about this movie, most of what we're going to be talking about is like the second half of the movie when after Reagan actually gets possessed. But like the first half, the entire lead up to that, I think is crucial to this film because Reagan actually feels like a character before she gets possessed, which I was honestly shocked by when I watched this movie because I'm not used to that in horror movies. I'm not used to actually caring about a character, let alone a child before something bad happens to them because i know that's gonna happen right usually usually the the character especially when they're young is just used as a vessel for the demon in like possession stories and nothing really more but yeah we get to know regan a little bit uh part of it is i think the the young actress playing her just does a really good job for a child actress in this movie she's pretty likable at the start and then uh, obviously, once he's getting possessed, uh, does a pretty good job at showing the the evil there. Yeah, they I just like do. Yeah, they just do a great job of like showcasing her relationship with her mother too. You can tell they they're very close. You know, uh, her parents are yeah. separated. Her mother like there's nothing more that her mom cares about. So, looking at just her mom from an outside point of view, she's an actor, wealthy. She has maids and butlers she yeah. she has all this everything you can ask she's, for in the world back. and the one thing she cares about the most gets taken away from her so it's so of... good dude it's like and i love i love when we see like pretty rich or well-off people that uh do have values or things that they value and care about because oftentimes when we're dealing with rich characters it's just an eat the rich like they're horrible um, and I mean, this, this lady, the mother isn't like Elon Musk rich, but she's doing pretty well. She's got a very nice, luxurious, uh, house or apartment or whatever she's renting out for a movie, but she still genuinely cares about Reagan. And I think that it's super nice to see in the setup for this movie. And I don't think the second half or the rest of the film would work if they didn't set it up so well, because I wouldn't really care for the mother and like emphasize with how she's feeling if i didn't think her connection with her daughter was genuine but i do think that because the movie shows us that throughout the first half yeah absolutely and you mentioned how it showcases like her values and what she prioritizes in the world you also see a lot of that with father Karras because of like all the family drama going on with him like his his parents kind of hating on him for the occupational route he chose he's a he's got a degree in psychology yet he's a priest so like he values his moral standing above his financial yeah and his parents don't like that yeah Uh, i mean understandably there's i'm sure there's yeah but it's so heartbreaking when his his mom is like dying and she's just in this Mm. nut house essentially like this nut hospital he goes in there to see her and his dad is just like badging at him yeah, just shit on him. It's, it's like tough you, to you watch. could afford yeah. to put her in a better place than this. Why don't you? It's like, dude, dude, lay yeah. off, man. I, mean, I know. Like, let your let your kid do what he's passionate about. Um, I love Father Karras in this in this film. We were talking earlier. He's such a good character. He's he's really likable and like human, relatable. But he's not without his struggle. Like, he's very clearly kind of tormented with this idea of questioning his faith and um, the existence of evil in the world. And it's really fascinating to watch it play out. Obviously, the the hook of the movie and what you'd advertise is Reagan and getting her being possessed, the demon, the exorcism. But I think Harris is kind of like the main heart and soul that ties everything in this movie together. And He's perfect for that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And yeah, I told you earlier, he might be like one of my favorite single characters in any movie. I think, like you said, he's just in- extremely human and relatable. He's a priest, yet he's still questioning his faith. He's been through a lot. Like, it comes to a point, it's hard not to question your faith. And I appreciated that you get to see that, even with a someone that 
has gone so far to be a priest, even though he has a psychiatry degree. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's sort of, I don't know, at least for me, cause I've had, you know, a lot of uh, thoughts about faith and um, whether I believe in, you know, God, whatever questioning in my own faith. And so it's, it's really, it's almost like comforting to, to see a film where we have this priest, someone who's dedicated their life to God, still questioning things about it because it just shows that like uh, none of us really know and all of us could still have questions regardless of what we believe in or how we believe in something. So I really like that aspect. Yeah, and I like the I like the whole dynamic, even though it's not that long. The interaction you get between him and his other priest friend, like at his loft, I guess, his apartment, when he just comes in yeah. at night, like pretty sure they smoke a pack, smoke a cigarette or two, <laughs> and then he dips. He's like, you know, stealing is a sin. <laughs> yeah, so valuable. And, yeah, it'll come back. That'll come back later, of course. Mm-hmm. And I guess does that pretty much wrap up the prelude of everything? Can we just get into the bones of this movie now? Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, we we see um, Marin, who's another character, sort of set up in the beginning. He comes back later. We meet yeah. Regan and uh, her mom, and then bad stuff starts to happen. Oh, uh, the Captain Howdy scene. I guess we should talk about that because oh. Captain Howdy is kind of uh, not a central point of the movie, but something that'll get brought up multiple times throughout. Especially when it comes to Reagan's possession, like, but yeah, they mm-hmm. have this Captain Howdy scene. Like, she's Captain Howdy. She is saying it's an imaginary friend, essentially, but controlling the Ouija board, and they just play around with yeah. Ouija board for a minute. You know, it's all fun and laughs. Then later on, of course, Reagan gets possessed. <laughs> yeah, by man, one foul mouthed we... demon, man. Dude, <laughs> this demon is fucked up. I mean that. That thing is saying some stuff in this in this movie. Oh, I talked about but, uncomfortable yeah. scenes. The scene, like, I'm pretty sure this is after the first time she takes her to the doctor, and they're like, mm-hmm. I don't remember this first time. They're just running a bunch of scans or whatever. They're like, yeah, we don't see anything. Uh, she probably has split personality disorder. And like later on, when the mom walks in to her like screaming and stuff, and the demon just like. Fucking her private area and... with the cross and just saying, let Jesus yeah. fuck you. I'm like, no, no, dude, no, why? Why? No, that, yeah, st- her stabbing, stabbing herself in the cross, that's like probably the most, oh my god, like, ew, I don't want to look at that. No, mm-hmm. I have to, I had to turn away. Both times I've watched this movie, I turned away when that was happening. I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't. They do, they do a really good job at picking how they're going to show this demon cinematically i think because this is one of the earliest uh maybe the earliest um movie that horror movie that really deals with possession 1973 and, and still to this day they, is the standard yeah it's the standard it holds up i mean there's obviously that there's like her turning her head fully around is like super unsettling um there's a there's your favorite thing throw up in, in this movie, Brayden. Okay, the so the, the vomit in this body. movie, it doesn't... I, I've seen it worse in other movies. It looks way more... It can look way more repulsive than it does in this movie. It kind of just looks like green slime, for the most part. Yeah. So it, was, no, it wasn't too that, bad. That kind of... That's the first scene early on uh, with her stabbing herself. That That's like, oh, God. Like, yeah, I, I, this demon's messed up. Yeah, but the... The mom takes Reagan to the doctors uh, countless times, and I'm just saying, uh, if you're ever experiencing signs of possession, don't go to the fucking doctor. Yeah, don't don't go to the doctors. Uh, they basically repeatedly say, "Hey, man, nothing wrong. Like uh, everything's normal. He's, he's all She's good." She's probably got split personality disorder. Take her to the therapist. <laughs> Yeah, like, all she needs is a little therapy, she'll be alright, send her on her way, and then she gets home, and it's and the mom's like, this is not split personality disorder, oh my god. This is not my daughter. <laughs> this is, that's not her. Yeah, so yeah, she's basically like, a, yeah, I, fuck all these doctors, and they're like, okay, look, there is one other thing you can do, and it's an out there choice. 
have you ever heard of an exorcism? Or, well, first they ask her, do you have any religious beliefs? And she's like, no, why? And her daughter doesn't either. Then exorcism. And she's like, okay, so you're, you're saying take my daughter to a witch doctor. That's what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. I love, I love plot devices where it's like you've tried everything else. And it's like, well, there is this one other thing we could do or try or like person to turn to. But it doesn't work for the reasons they think it works. It's not really them exercising a demon out of her. It's just she believes a demon's inside of her. So when they do this, she believes that the exorcism is taking the demon out of her. I'm like, dude, she isn't. You yeah. saw that there's nothing wrong with her brain. She is obviously not this mentally fucked up. There's something inside of her. Yeah, there's definitely something in there. Um,. It, I think the pacing of this movie is is really strong because it it almost makes you as the audience like just as upset with as the mother as we keep going and people keep saying you know split personality disorder there's nothing wrong stuff keeps occurring they find out about the exorcism that's possible and even then it's like they're not tackling it the right way and it's, it's just like, it's, it's almost like another layer of a really relatability just on a human level because like every, everyone's been to the doctor people know how doctor appointments go like especially when it comes to scans and surgeries and all that it takes forever you got to make a ton of appointments costs a lot of money but you don't want to hear that yeah there's nothing wrong or like there's nothing we can do you want a freaking solution man yeah uh i've definitely been there before everyone's been there before and um they really they the solutions don't they don't really come until the third act um and you get you know father terrorist he comes in clutch man he's kind of the one that says all right we gotta so do this and we before gotta... the mom talks to father harris about this or father Harris, sorry but uh, we have the the homicide detective confronts him right oh you're right the homicide detective yeah so yeah william f kinderman i love this guy <laughs> he's, he's pretty sick there's also a homicide detective in Case Against Satan. So uh, this, this book will be really just taken from it. But no, I love this guy. Talk yeah, about he's, it. he's telling him about, so whoever, I don't remember the director's name, but the, because if he's in the movie, it's only for like a moment. He's barely in the movie. But he's the director of the film that the mom is shooting. He dies, mm -hmm. and the way he died was, well, he fell out a window. And down, well, he fell mm -hmm. down a flight of stairs, but his head was completely turned 180 degrees backwards. And what are the likelihood? What's the likelihood that that happened from the fall? Very unlikely. So, yeah, he's like, something's up. Can you tell me about any sick people you know, Father Karras? And Father Karras is like, uh, I'm not telling you shit. <laughs> and they have a lot of like fun back and forth about movies too, just casually, because this homicide detective is a big movie guy, which I just appreciated that. Like, the mom's an That's actor, so this, awesome. this guy's a movie fan. Later on, he gets her autograph when he goes and confronts the mom about it and tells her about what happened, the 180-degree yeah. head turned backwards. The mom is, like, absolutely, she is taken aback by this and, like, traumatized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's not okay with it. But, yeah, uh, to your point, I do love this film's, like, kind of undertones about, like, just being film lovers. Like, there's so much love for movies in in a movie that is entirely like a very well done and self-serving horror film that is cool it's like as a film fan i'm watching a horror movie but they're talking about movies and the mother's an actress and it's it's, it's got those little pieces of, of that in there which make it more enjoyable so cool like uh, i don't know if you're into movies i just don't see how you don't enjoy just at, at least a lot of this movie like there's just so much to appreciate yeah. I do think it is a it's a pretty scary movie, so I understand like if uh, scares and horror just aren't your thing. Yeah. But even a, even aside from that, there's so much just great storytelling and fun. Like like not not a fun movie, but fun to watch as a as a film fan. That I think everyone could at least give it a shot. Yeah, it's it's almost kind of more impressive that it's a horror that it's a horror movie because of like all the all the character work that's done. It's really impressive like how often do you see character work for multiple characters in a movie in a horror movie like yeah I know. It's, it's a very short list this was 
the first horror movie to be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Oh wow, I didn't even know it had it got nominated. That's back it when was they nominated. only had five nominations. Yeah, this was one of the five. I say it's well deserved. Um, Psycho. I'm surprised Psycho isn't nominated in 1960, but I guess I guess it makes sense. But this is the first one nominated. Uh, it was nominated for a bunch of other awards. It won Adapted Screenplay, and it won Best Sound as well. So this is oh, yeah. probably the most successful horror movie in terms of the Oscars. I know Get Out did really well, too. Uh, I guess if you want to count Silence of the Lambs as a horror movie, then... Yeah, that is uh, that one all of the big five, but yeah. So obviously there was more going on than just the scares, and and it's it's not a slasher horror movie from the eighties. It's there's a pretty high level of depth in this film that I really appreciate, and I can't wait to go back and watch it again. Uh, Braden got to rewatch it in preparation for recording this. I did not, so I will be doing that at some point in the near future. But yeah. Yeah, but when the mother does finally uh, confront Father Karras, ask him for him for his help, uh, he basically tells her just to take her to the doctors, bro. I'm like, dude, what the heck, Karras? This is why she's coming to you. The doctors won't do anything. <laughs> oh, it's so frustrating. That was, the, that was the first moment, maybe the only moment in this movie where Father Karras frustrated me a little bit. I'm like, bro, come on. Yeah. Then, you know, of course, he's but a professional I man. Think- he's like, look, look. I have to get permission from the church yeah. uh, to, to perform the exorcism. But I can look at her for you. I can look at her first, and if it looks like there has to be an exorcism, <laughs> I will ask the church. And he goes, and he's like, holy yeah. fuck. Yeah, there's... there's- <laughs> <laughs> that scene is so great. Because well, no, he still doesn't want to do of- it initially, but when he's about to leave, um, no, he... The, the demon said something about his uh, mother. That's what it was. Yeah. And uh, when she's leaving, when he's leaving, he's still like kind of hesitant about the whole thing, like not wanting to do it. And he's like, did you know my mother died recently? And the mom's like, yes. And he's like, did your daughter? And she's like, no, why would she? And that's all he needs to know. And he's like, yep, that's a demon. Yeah, that moment is really great. Um, that's a pretty common thing with these, like, possession movies, though, isn't it? Especially, like, anything to do with the Catholic Church. Like, The Conjuring does it, too. Like, for some reason, to perform an exorcism, you have to get permission from the church. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like this being, though, this is really the blueprint for all possession movies. So oh, yeah. it kind of laid that groundwork. I think it's, it's kind of an interesting, like, natural obstacle in a movie like this, that it's, like, uh well we gotta get rid of the monster but to do that we gotta go through all this and so uh, it it works but it is it is kind of weird it seems like if you are qualified to do one you should you should just do it bro like yeah, why right? are we wasting time yeah why are we wasting time and not getting rid of this motherfucker as soon as we can come on because what because what does it do to is the church like liable if something goes wrong if they don't know about an exorcism like i don't i don't really understand the the logistics of it. I'm not um, sure either, but yeah, he goes to the church. Thankfully, thankfully, church says yes. Yeah, but uh, well, they they don't allow him to do it himself. They're like, we're gonna have to have someone oversee you, and yeah. just so happens, Father Marin is experienced in exorcisms, and so mm-hmm. like the whole first 15 minutes of this movie, just the opening, is like him on this archaeological adventure, I guess. And he finds, mm-hmm. like, a relic of some sort. I guess it yeah. had demonic symbolizing relic, something yeah. demonic, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, because he says, I have to leave to go do something. And I'm assuming that something was to take care of that. But, yeah, yeah they, they bring Father Marin in to oversee this exorcism and to perform it with Father Karras. Mm-hmm. And this is when the demon starts going just... All in on Karras, just attacking him in every which way, personal assaults left and right. Yeah, Um, I think this this demon would get like seventeen flags for taunting in the NFL with with what. Yeah, like I can't even repeat some things this demon said because the episode might get blocked. (laughs) We will be taken off 
our streaming website. Um, yeah, uh, um, the demon goes in, and uh, it's almost humorous. It's almost because it's just such an absurd level of like shit talking, and just, oh yeah, it makes you feel uncomfortable, but you're also almost like, damn, like this is kind of funny. I feel like uh, the first time the demon starts to get under his skin, but not in this scene, that was in the first scene that uh, Karis talked to Reagan when he brought up his grandmother. He's like, your grandmother is in hell with us. And he's like, oh, really? If she's really there, then you would know my mother's maiden name. And no response to that. (laughs) (laughs) So I just love, like, yeah, the trash talk back and forth. Like, this dude is literally talking shit with a demon right now yeah and he hey Karis doesn't really he doesn't really take that like he, he he throws shots back too which is like my favorite part about it is like he knows how to defend himself against against a demon just talking crap yeah and this demon's strong though because even with a baron overlooking this thing it's still like tossing stuff around the room still got full mm-hmm. control of reagan for a, for a good bit it it's unfortunate in the end the way they uh, did perform this exorcism. It was uh, successful in the end, but not without mm-hmm. the loss of one Father Karras. Which, yeah. very heartbreaking death, man. <laughs> no, it, I wouldn't have cared if Father Marin died, man. I, Karras was my guy. I know. Like, I mean, they both, yeah. That that exorcism turned out to be deadly. But I do think it's it's a pretty unique way of ending an exorcism like it usually when we see it in movies they are like completely successful you know like there is a struggle but yeah there's never like a sacrifice that has to be made and so i think Harris like having like the character within himself to take the demon into himself and then obviously bro hurls himself out the window um it's pretty it's it's pretty yeah i know uh, just the way well, his head wasn't turned uh, 180 degrees, but just the way the it kind of all started, how Karis got brought into it, was the death mm-hmm. of the director that fell down the steps, and Father Karis died by getting thrown out the window down steps. Yeah. Uh, I wish Karis could have stayed alive, but I do think it, it worked pretty perfectly, and it's also, like, I like that, you know, the deep, like, to kill the demon, you know, it's kind of well, it's it's yeah. kind of fucked up because to kill the demon, bro, has to kill himself. It's like death the um, Superman situation, man. This it, is where death the Superman got it from. Yeah, that's what I uh, always man. call that. That's what I always call that in anything I see it. Where like just for the sake of it, the good guy and the bad guy, the protagonist antagonist, like kill each other. I'm like, oh, that was the mm-hmm. death of Superman move. It's the death of Superman. <laughs> Aren't we aren't we comic book fans, dude? Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Giant DC nerd, I know. Can't help uh, it. Yeah. But um, no, I think I think that, that ending to it works. Um I like how I like how Reagan um still kisses like the father dire at the end on the cheek, even though like he doesn't know who he is at all, just because it's like a sort of representation of everything's okay now. Um this movie does a lot with um Was Father Dyer the friend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that that's another moment. That's what coming back to how they were having the conversation about like the sins and everything and the apartment. The end, he comes mm-hmm. up, Father Dyer comes up to Karis's dead body. He just kinda hugs it and sobs for a minute, is like, um, are you sorry for all your past sins and or all your sins in your past life? Yeah. Uh, heartbreaking shit, um, man. Yeah, I love, I love how the the last shot of this movie when he when he, he looks at the steps, the iconic exit yes. steps. And um, I don't know how we failed to not mention the score until now. Gonna, the score is so remember. good. You told waiting. me uh, long before I saw the movie that like because you you know how much I love the Halloween score. You were like, yeah, you know, uh, the Exorcist score is like pretty similar and. Uh, the Halloween score is probably derived from that, right? <laughs> or it was derived from it. I was like, oh, it really? Is, yeah. And then, yeah, I heard it. I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. So good. <laughs> and you don't hear it that much throughout the movie. I feel like Halloween uses like its score a lot more. 
Yeah, but it's, it's they still knew really that, good. They knew that score. They knew that score was fire. Carpenter oh, yeah. was like, "I'm playing this thing all the time." Um, That's why that movie is never it. boring to me because that score is like always going. Any slow moment in the movie where it's just like a bunch of shots, like long shots, hand yeah. shots, the score is going. So I'm like, Ivan, I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> And listen, the Halloween score is still incredible. I'd argue that Carpenter won up the score that it is derived from, but this is the Exorcist score is kind of that the OG horror score. I mean, oh, even yeah. even the It Follows score has a lot of elements from something like this in it. Um, and I love the score. You hear All it at three the start, scores are so, so good. Kinda, yeah, you hear it early on, so it kind of puts you into the mood of. Uh, where you're at and then they do they do use it pretty sparingly but anytime you hear it it's awesome i love it so much it's definitely one of my favorite film scores along with halloween they're both so good it's it's so good man great score great characters great plot great scares yeah great great tension great movie it's it's super tense the characters are so well written and i think it like we've talked a lot about it's just universal because even if you're not like a super religious person or raised Catholic or whatever, the movie doesn't really make it about religion. And even if you're like, well, demons don't exist. Demons can just be a personification of real evil that exists in our world. And so I feel like it's a story that everyone can get into and resonate with. Yeah, exactly. It's incredible. It's yeah, fifty years old, dude. Still stands up. And oh man, probably probably always will. At least during our lifetime. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't see this movie ever getting old. Really, it's just it's so well done. Um, yeah, definitely one of my favorite horror movies. Same. That's maybe one of my favorite movies ever. So good. Yeah. And I I'm excited to rewatch it now. Um, this conversation has got me hyped. Yeah, well, if it's been a while since you've seen The Exorcist, maybe you should go check it out. Or uh, if you listen to this episode and for some reason have never seen it, uh, check it out. It's watch, great. Watch The Exorcist. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. I, mean, well, I can't Brandon, say much because been... I hadn't seen it until this year. But <laughs> you've seen it now, and that's what's important. That's all that matters. Well. It has been it has been a while since we've spoken on on the podcast before this Braden. and um, NFL season is getting down to it. We're uh, we're in it the is. thick of it. So, we are in week know, fourteen right now. Week fourteen. I don't know. Just you want to start with overall thoughts on this season because it's been a weird one. It has been a pretty weird one. Uh, I don't. I feel like the team I'm most surprised by is probably the Texans. Still, I got. There's no way I I would have never told I would have never predicted they would have been seven and five at this point in the season. I'm pretty sure I predicted they'd go like six and eleven before the season started. Yeah. I I thought they would be improved from last year. I like CJ Stroud uh coming out of college. I never thought he'd be this good. I don't think anybody on the planet thought he'd be this good this quickly. He's um, leading the league in passing yards right now, isn't he? He is. Yeah. It's crazy, man. He's, so crazy. He's Rookie leading the league. That's awesome. He's probably already put himself in the top 10 quarterback in the league. Um, I feel like the only defense for him not being in there is it's too early. Yeah, but, it's only one season. Yeah. That, that, but that, that, seems is, kinda, is. that seems kind of pointless when he's been, you could argue he's been a top five quarterback in this season in the I think he has been I think I think you could argue he's been the best quarterback this season I yeah you absolutely could given his situation and hey a lot of credit to D'Amico Ryan their coach too um he's done a great job he was great for the 49ers defensive coordinator uh the Texans are fun I like them a lot I hope they get into the playoffs yeah it's like the AFC South before this season started I thought they had the Jaguars would run away with that division, but both Houston and Indy are just a game behind, which that's crazy. That's crazy to me, especially since Indy, yeah. I mean, Gardner Minshew is a pretty good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's I think, right. yeah, I think yeah, he's, he's fine. He's probably one of the best second stringers you could have. So yeah. 
Yeah. It's as surprising I, that he's I, been doing as well as he has, though. Yeah, I think the Colts, the Texans, both been surprising. The Titans have been disappointing, I would say, but we knew that was a team trending yeah. downward. Um, I thought this might be the last season of, like, some success, but it doesn't look like it at all. Yeah. Um, but, no, I wouldn't be shocked if the Colts or the Texans surged ahead with the division, giving Trevor Lawrence his hurt right now. I don't think he'll be out that long because they haven't even ruled him out for this week, like you were saying yeah. earlier. Um, at least that was uh, yesterday. I couldn't find bad, anything but... that had been, like, reported today. No, I think so. he, he did, like, limited practice uh, on Wednesday or whatever, oh. or, the, or Thursday this week. So, I don't know. Um, I hope he's all right. I love watching Trevor Lawrence play. Um, I like the Jaguars a lot. I still – I don't think – I don't think this is the year they can make an actual run at it, but it's yeah. it's fun yeah, to see yeah. their improvement over the past couple of years. The uh, uh, the see. Eagles Cowboys game Sunday tomorrow night oh, is going to be God. a big oh. one, just a big one for playoff seating. Dude, I need the Eagles to win this game, especially after last week when they were absolutely embarrassed by the 49ers. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, the 49ers beat Dallas by even more. Yeah, that's true. That does make me feel better, actually. We already beat Dallas once. I think Dallas has been playing really well since that game, and the Eagles have been playing. I mean, they're, they've only lost one game since then to the 49ers, but they haven't looked super impressive. Um, I'm hoping the 49ers game was a wake-up call. We signed Jack Leonard from the Colts after they released him. Uh, Dallas Goddard, tight end, is going to be back. So I think the Eagles can win that game, but I think it's going to be close. And I will probably be losing my mind at several stages of the game. Um, if the Eagles win that, I think they can be the number one seed for sure because the rest of their schedule isn't too bad. 49ers could definitely catch them. And if the Cowboys win, it's just going to be crazy down the stretch for the NFC one seed. If the Cowboys win, I'm going to be pretty surprised. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, I, like, like Dallas, I really they, they look good, win. but I feel like I feel like they look good most seasons. It's just like they haven't. This season hasn't looked different enough for me to like believe that they're going to do anything. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I I think they've played really well, but most of it's against clearly inferior teams. So yeah. this is their chance against the Eagles to prove that this year is different. But I'm. I think the Eagles will win. I think they're motivated. They're focused after last week. I don't know. Hope. Hope they win. All right. Well, since it's this close to playoff season, do you want to just, I guess, do some updated playoff picks? We did this before the season started, and I meant to go back and look at the, all the teams we picked, but I can't. I did not, so I can't remember uh, what teams we yeah, all picked. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. So, but I'm sure but... plenty of them are going to be different <laughs> this yeah. time. Yeah, we can do that. You want to go first? or? Sure, how do you want to do it? Do you just want to do it by uh, our AFC first, then NFC? Sure, yeah. Okay, AFC, the division winners. I got the Ravens, the Chiefs, Dolphins, and the Jaguars. Then the wild cards, mm-hmm. I got the Texans, the Browns, and the Broncos. I don't, I don't think. I don't know if I'd have anything different there. Um I don't believe in the Bills at this point. I think they're going to lose to Kansas City this week. and then the, the only question I have with the Broncos is, are they going to drop one of those Chargers games? But the Chargers have looked yeah. bad this season. <laughs> the The Chargers have been incredibly disappointing. They need to fire their coach. Um, the Broncos definitely can lose one of those games, but they're just going to have such an insane coaching advantage against the Chargers that yeah. – I just don't. I, Sean and they have a tiebreaker over the Bills, so like their only real the tough Bills, game left is against Detroit, the Broncos. But yeah, the Bills. I don't know. They basically they're in a tough spot because their tiebreakers are not going to be very good because they have five conference losses right now. So if they want to be safe, they kind of have to win out, and I just don't see that team doing that this year, um, especially with Kansas City. I think uh, they still have another game against Miami. So, 
I don't think the Bills are going to be in the playoffs, which is crazy to me because the Bills have been one of those teams that's just like a staple of the AFC playoffs for the past four years. Yeah, that is pretty wild. No Bills, no Bengals. Well, probably no yeah, Bengals. Yeah, no Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> probably no Bills, uh, probably hey. no Bengals. Wait, we're, this is still predictions. We, we don't actually know yet. Yeah. Uh, one thing, the only thing I would say, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts also snuck in with Me the in, instead of the Broncos. I think they're, they're kind of good. I don't know. They've got yeah. talent and they've got really good coaching. Um, their head coach is the Eagles old offensive coordinator who I, who I miss with every piece of my soul. Please come back. <laughs> Um, oh no, he's having success in Indy. He's he's having a lot of success in Indy, and this is without Anthony Richardson, who looked. Who yeah, we no, that's forget. that's what's crazy to me. He looked really good in the games he played at the start of the year. Um, yeah, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts get in instead of the Broncos, but I do also think the Broncos have figured stuff out and are playing at a at a winning level. So yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you on the division winners though. Keith again, Jags. Ravens, Dolphins. I'm pretty sure the Texans will at least be one of the wild cards. Then the other two, it's kind of between like Broncos, Colts, Browns, like those three teams probably. Yeah, the Browns have been so weird all year. They like yeah. well, they they have a tiebreaker over Indy. I think that's the only reason I have them in over Indy. Yeah, and that game yeah. was insane. It it was insane. <laughs> yeah. How was that one of the games of the year? We'll never know. Oh, no. That was the game of that week, which was just crazy to me. It was but, crazy. All right. On to the NFC. So, I've got mm-hmm. your Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco Let's 49ers, go. Detroit Lions, Atlanta Falcons as the division winners. Then the wild cards mm-hmm. were the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Vikings. Uh, I, I think I put – the Rams in there instead of the Vikings. Yeah, I know I had, I had, I think I had the Seahawks and the Rams when we first did this. Now I have the Packers and the Vikings. I literally just swapped the dish. You swapped the the NFC West for the NFC North. Uh, I do think the Packers are going to make it. I liked the Seahawks a lot through even like the midpoint of the season. I just feel like they've lost it. And yeah, I think the Rams are. On an upward trajectory, they have a run game that's kind of been developed with getting Tyron Williams back. Stafford's playing okay. I think he's kind of old at this point, but he's still capable of great games. And Sean McVay's been coaching out of his mind. So I don't think the Rams are going to do anything in the playoffs, but I think they're going to do enough to slide into that wild card do, do they play – I don't know what the rest of their schedule looks like. I'm pretty sure they play the 49ers again. Then I don't know yeah. if they play another like really good team that they may lose to. Yeah. Uh, oh, they play I the will... Ravens this week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're, no, their schedule. Their schedule's kind of tough, but yeah, that, that's the only reason Ravens, I don't have them. I think the Ravens game is sort of winnable. Um, that's kind of what I said when me, me and Andrew were talking about this, and I said that I think this game is probably going to be closer than a lot of people expect. Yeah, if they win, if they beat the Ravens, they're gonna get in because then they play the I Commanders. Then they play the Commanders, the Saints, the Giants, and then they end with the Forty ers So if they beat the Ravens, they're probably going four and one to end the year. And who knows if the? I mean, I doubt the Forty ers will be sitting in the last week just because I think the number one seed race is going to be super close. Yeah, but. I think the Rams are going to get into the playoffs. But I, w- I also wouldn't be shocked if the Vikings do. Yeah. I just think that the Kirk Cousins injury really sucks for for them. Not that Kirk is a superstar, but he was playing well this year. And Josh Dobbs is kind of – that experiment has kind of tapered off, I feel like, after the first two weeks. Yeah, no, I, I won't – I wouldn't be surprised if that happened if it's, uh, if it's the Rams instead of the Vikings. I feel like the Packers are in a good spot to get in, though. The Packers, I said this earlier, the Packers this this year remind me a lot of the Jaguars last year. Just they're not gonna win the division because Detroit, baby. But um the Let's Packers go. looked pretty bad at the at the start of the season. Uh losing games they probably shouldn't. 
young quarterback struggling to find his footing. But these past four or five weeks, Jordan Love's kind of looked like that guy. He's looked like Trevor Warren started to look in the second half of last season. And if they can keep it up, I, I think they're in a good spot. They've got not the hardest schedule. They've got some tiebreakers. They're going to be in. For sure. They should be. They, because, yeah, their schedule's pretty easy. Like I said earlier, they should win at least three, three out of the five. Yeah, at least. And I think that will so, be good enough to get in to as a wild card in the NFC this season. I do too, uh, dude. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I, I mean, this kind of sucks because I do think this year is more up in the air. But when I look at the AFC come playoff time, I really still go with the Chiefs if I'm being objective about it. Like, I think the Ravens are good. Um, I think health, the, a healthy I, I think it's team. going to be the Ravens or the Chiefs. I think those are the two. Yeah, I like agree. If, any, if anyone's um, going to beat the Chiefs, it's going to be the Ravens, I think. I That's how I feel. I think yeah. maybe Kansas City won't be the number one seed this season, and maybe that'll they might help not with things. Yeah, like it, they, the Dolphins there will be a better chance that the AFC Championship isn't an arrowhead. Yeah, uh, which that would be interesting. Mahomes has not played a lot of or any through road playoff games in his career. Um, I I know there might be some Dolphins fans listening that are like, I don't know if he us. has played a road playoff game, has he? I think if you, unless you count the Super Bowls, which are neutral fields, yeah. then yeah, he hasn't played any road yeah, playoff games. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That is insane. Um, yeah. But... Uh, I don't know. I, I do like the Jaguars if they're completely healthy and um, they they get good play calling. I feel like a lot of times their play calling hasn't been great when I've watched them this year. But they do have a chance to make noise, I would say, as long as Trevor Lawrence's injury isn't too bad. But I think it's going to be Chief Ravens. The Dolphins are good, but... Just, the Ravens, the Ravens have just re- played really well against good teams this season too. Like they, they yeah. smacked the shit out of Detroit, and well, Seattle's kind of gone down, like you said, but they, they smacked yeah. Seattle, destroyed Seattle, yeah, absolutely crushed them. Yeah, honestly, Seattle, Seattle's kind of a, a bad break this year. Like I still don't think they're a great team, but to have to play the Forty ers twice, to have to play the Ravens. I have to play the Cowboys, who they played really close. Yeah, no, this has been a pretty rough stretch. It's a didn't they didn't they go? They played the Ravens, then Forty ers then the Cowboys, and they played the Forty ers again this week. Yeah, do they play the Forty ers again this week? Yeah, this week, tomorrow, I guess. And they then then they then they play the Eagles after that. Oh my God, poor Seattle. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, dude. Tough. Man, they beat the Lions early in the season. They're feeling good about themselves, and they just run across this fucking stretch of games. Yeah. Um, I As far as NFC, I do think the 49ers healthy are the best team. I am super happy for Detroit, but I don't see them winning more than one playoff game yet. I just don't think they're there. Yeah, um, me either. I don't see them. Yeah, no, I don't see them beating either Philly or San Francisco in the playoffs, no. Me either. They could beat Dallas just because Dallas is Dallas. Like I could see that happening. Um, but I, I'm not gonna. I still think the Eagles are really good. They've got to figure some stuff out. But if you would have this stretch they're on, it's been brutal. Like Chiefs, Cowboys, Bills, Niners, Cowboys again. If they beat the Cowboys and they're four and one in that stretch, and they beat the Dolphins earlier this year pretty handedly. The Eagles are still really good, but the yeah. 49ers might be better. I've said it all season. I think the 49ers are the best team in the league, and that stretch of where they just lost three games kind of had me questioning. But I've, since they came off the bye, they've pretty much been looking like the same team. So I stand by that statement. Yeah, but uh, it's gonna be gonna be a fun last stretch here. Injuries have sucked this year. Lots of injuries. Which- Happens every year, but this one this one feels pretty significant across the board. Um, but we still power through. The NFL is still great. College football playoffs should be fun this year. In the last year of the four teams, 
I wish it was more than four teams, but uh, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, Washington. I'm looking forward to it. New Year's Day. I kind of wish it was New Year's Eve again because I like when they do the semifinals on New Year's Eve. Last year it was crazy because the Georgia Ohio State game was like started at eight on or eight fifteen on New Year's Eve or whatever, and it literally ended like as people you were counting down the clock. Oh, that's to midnight. that's good. That's cool shit. That's perfect. Yeah, but yeah, I remember that game. The, I remember it being on. Yeah, game. yeah, it was New Year's. That Eve. game. That game was awesome, and the Ohio State kicker literally just drank the kick so bad to tie or to win the game at the end as the clock strikes midnight. That's tough, but hey, it's the game I watched, and I was like, CJ Stroud is going to be a good player because he went up against that Georgia team, that Georgia defense, controlled most of that game and dropped 40 points on Georgia. Came way closer than TCU did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> nah, yeah let's not talk about the TCU game. Hey, this year is going to be better than, than last year's national championship. Uh, that's the lowest bar ever, pretty much. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, it might be more impressive if it's worse. <laughs> it, it definitely would be more impressive if it's worse. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, but, hey, well... That's it for this week. We'll be back next time talking about what's the what's the plan for next time? Are we doing the what, what were we gonna do? It might depend, but we're planning on seeing Wonka, so it could be Yeah, we wanna the... do a we wanna do a Willy Wonka episode. Um we wanna do an elf episode, I think we talked about Elf, yeah, it'll probably be either the Wonka episode along with, you know, we'll talk about the other chocolate factory movies. And yeah. or it'll be Elf, whichever depends on you Dude, know, how scheduling goes. I'm excited. I, I doubt I'm ex- it'll probably be Elf. Let's just say that. I'm excited for Wonka, but I'm like I'm more more excited to rewatch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, me too. Yeah, That's how I awesome. am, dude. I'm ready to rewatch that Willy Wonka. So and I love oh Burton, but I'm like, I, I won't mind rewatching Charlie and Chocolate Factory, but I think the original is definitely the better movie. Hey, all I'm saying. I actually do like uh, Timothy Salamander, Timothy Chandelier, Timmy, Timmy, Timmy S, uh, Timmy C, but Gene Wilders, yeah, that's that's tough to live up to, man. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I can't really. It's to perfect casting, point. dude. Yeah, it's great. But yeah, that's what we'll be back with. Um, hope to see you listening then. <laughs>